Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. I'm so excited to have my friend Susan Sly on the show today. She is such a wonderful and inspiring person, and I think you're really going to connect with her and her story. Susan is an influential figure in tech, and she's overcome so much to become a role model and inspiration for aspiring entrepreneurs, business professionals, and people really all around the world, including myself. Susan's a co-founder and co-CEO of Radius AI, an AI innovation solutions company, as well as an incredibly successful tech investor, best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and former professional athlete. But it didn't all come easy. Her early setbacks, including a terminal illness diagnosis, family struggles, and homelessness led Susan to empower herself through her own determination, her faith, and just raw resilience. Her story is one you have to hear. But before we get started, if you haven't signed up for my newsletter adaptation, you should check it out. Every Friday, I'll email you information and tools curated for high performers just like you. You'll receive actionable information and the most recent cutting-edge science on how to improve your mind, body, and recovery so you can look, feel, and perform your best. Check it out. The link is in the show notes. So now for my conversation with Susan. So let's lean in and learn from the best. Susan, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show today. When we did your podcast, I think we ended up spending an extra 30 or 45 minutes after the show was over, and I was not expecting that, and you really set me straight in a bunch of different areas, but I have just been so impressed with you as a person. You know, you exude confidence in so many different areas. You've built award-winning sales teams. You've overseen three companies. You now have co-founded an AI company. You're a mother. You're a wife. You know, you look at the bio, like the top line bio, and you're like, everything's been perfect. Everything's been smooth. But that is not the case. You know, at one point you were homeless. You had just gone through a divorce and you were diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. So, like, how did you move through that to the point to where you are today? It's a great question. When you read the bio, Eric, I get tired. It's like when I read your bio. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and um, firstly, my my heart and prayers go out to anyone who's listening who is struggling with a diagnosis or maybe your, your partner has a diagnosis or someone you care about because I, I think a long, you know, you have a PhD and you know better than anyone, our understanding of the immune system over the past couple decades has come a long way. However, it is still not there. You could ask 10 scientists to define an immune system and you're going to get 10 different answers. So going back to the year 2000, where understanding the immune system was really, and and I hope your audience doesn't mind because you and I kind of like to geek out, was was really fairly new because it where the immune system started to get looked at was with the understanding of AIDS, especially in the 80s, and looking at how an immune system would be compromised and how some people would end up with a compromised system and others wouldn't. So going back to my own story, that is a segue, I was very involved in health and wellness back in in the 90s, and I was actually a professor of nutrition. I was on radio and television. I owned a health club. In addition to doing all of that, I was a professional Ironman distance triathlete, and so I was very in tune with my body, 
And I'm sure the the listeners can relate to this, and I know you can relate to this having worked with athletes, that athletes know when something's a little off. You know as soon as you become aware in the morning, you wake up, and it's like something's not right. My hamstring's a little twingy. I just, you know, something's just not there. And everything we do from how we train, how we recover, nutrition, sleep, everything, it's, it's, it's all tuned by our coaches, by our nutritionists every single week. And so going into 98, 99, I had more tired days, especially 99. I'll never forget the fall of 99. I was teaching this nutrition class and I would just drop the chalk for no reason. And then I started slurring my speech and I wasn't recovering well. I was getting a lot of vertigo. And I went to my physician, Ross, who was my client. And I'm like, listen, dude, I do not feel good this is, you know, I'm tired. I'm dropping things. I'm not recovering. And he's like, Oh, it's just stress. And I went on vacation, Eric, and I went to Jamaica all-inclusive resort and I slept for seven days. I didn't leave the bed and I came back and I got a yellow post-it and I wrote down the tests I wanted. I walked into Ross's office and I said, listen, I want a CT. I want an MRI. I want a full blood panel. And this is the Canadian medical system in 2000. So normally you wouldn't get in to see a physician for at least eight to 10 months for any kind of brain scan that wasn't directly due to trauma. Fortuitously, one of my clients, her husband was the head of neurology for the hospital. And so I, I, it is good to have friends (laughs) and that is a God thing. And I get in and Y2K, it's, it's, we're partying like it's 1999, the world's going to end, the computers are going to shut down. And 13 days into it, Ross calls me into his office and says, Susan, he's got this, he's pale, he's upset, and he pulls up this scan, Eric, and it looks like a fishbowl full of fish. And it's my brain. And he's like, these are lesions. You've been diagnosed with progressive MS. This is the worst kind. You will be in a wheelchair in 10 years and dead in 20. And he had tears in his eyes because he had delivered my daughter. He was my neighbor. And I went through all of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stages of grief. I went from sadness, remorse, denial, anger. And it, it was it was really devastating isn't isn't the word it was it was life altering and it was that place where i had to become greater in my faith i was literally on my knees praying for the next 2 weeks and during that time my marriage fell apart 16 weeks later i walked into my health club to teach a fitness class and um i we were shut down for failure to pay taxes i was in such denial i was the the i was the person in the business that i was like teaching fitness classes and doing the marketing and you know doing all that stuff i wasn't paying attention to those things and so I, I, my family falls apart. I get diagnosed with a terminal illness and lose my business and end up homeless on my brother-in-law's sofa as a single mom in a 16 week span. And I got down on my knees and I said, God, if you will show me the way I will do the work. And that, you know, to your point about there's a saying, you only see the glory. You don't know the story. I am so grateful that that happened because it, it changed the trajectory of who I am as a person today. 
I want to push pause for a moment and let you know how the AIM7 app is coming along. We have over 100 people on the app and over 80% are still with us after a month, which is 3x better than the market average. And here's why. This is a quote from a current member. I just wanted to send you a note to tell you thank you. The podcast and the app have been helping me make improvements in my life and in turn, my kids' lives. The app is helping me transition the information I'm learning on the podcast into real-life action steps I can take each day to achieve my goals. With each day, my kids are watching me make better choices for my health and reaping the benefits of having a calmer, energetic, and more present mom. Thanks to you and the whole AIM7 team. Look, folks, this is real people getting real results. And if this is something that you can relate to, then check out AIM7 for a free seven-day trial at www.aim7.com or just click the link in the show notes. Now, back to the show. You know, a lot of times we don't see the gift in the trial. Yeah. It seemed like, and what I appreciate, you know, any prayer is amazing. But the fact you're like, show me the way I'll do the work. Some people don't want to do the work. You're a hard worker. And I have a feeling you're kind of like me. Sometimes you work a little too hard. Yeah. Uh, And I could, we could, we could spot each other a mile away. So what did it look like to pull yourself out of that? Like, what are some like lessons that people could take away from these moments of like when things are really dark, you're in the storm, like it's all around you. What are the, some of the steps that people could actively start taking if they're in one of those storms right now, or they're, you know what, we're heading to one, whether you like it or not, what could people take away from this? Here's the, here's the thing. And I love to, you and I love a good step-by-step program, right? Just give me the recipe and whoever's listening, if you're going through a trial, your tent may be there, but don't build your house there. You need to focus on what you're going to, not what you're going through. And I heard Joel Osteen say that one, so I'll give him credit for that. So here's the thing. The first thing is get yourself out of the situation, even if it's for a day. Just just get away so you can think, because you're not going to think when you're in the midst of the storm. Even just going for a walk in nature, if you have the resources, go check into a hotel for a couple of days. And that's what I did. I went to see a friend, and he was also an elite triathlete, and he was living sort of in this remote area in Connecticut. And... I went and we were, you know, going on 90 mile bike rides. We were going for three hour runs and it was just like, I was talking through it, figuring it out. The second thing I would say, a friend of mine articulated this in the best way. He was part of an elite branch of British military and his name's Nigel. And I said, Nigel, so how are you trained? He was in desert storm. I was like, how are you trained in a crisis situation? Like say you're, you're driving along, it's IED. And you know, next thing you know, you're upside down in your Jeep. He said, here's what we're trained to do. Number one is we have to look at the resources we have around us. It's not about running because you might be leaving the best resources. And when we're in a state of crisis, Eric, whether it's in business or our personal lives, that fight or flight, which you know so well, because this is your life's work. And I would like to say Eric's life's opus, right? Like this is what he's working on right now that when you think about that fight or flight, it's like, I just want to run away. I just want to run away. And I don't want to feel this. No, take a look around and what are your resources and then find shelter and then execute on your resources. That's exactly what I did. So I, the first thing I did, I said, what resources do I have? And fortunately, because I had been a celebrity trainer in Canada I had amazing people that I had helped. There's a very famous Canadian rock band, The Tragically Hip, 
And if you're from Canada, everyone knows these guys. So I knew them all. And so I said, I've got great resources. I had helped Kirk Muller save his career. He was a very famous Canadian hockey player. He's the captain of the Canadians. They won the cup. He was released from several teams. I got him four more years in Dallas. And so I knew Kirk was a resource. So I said, okay, I have these references. I have these skills. And I started applying for jobs. I got a job in management for Bally Total Fitness back when that was a thing. Yeah. And I was overseeing a department in Toronto and I had 52 people and I very quickly took that to the number one producing sales team in the entire chain globally, even though my Canadian dollar sales were being converted at 65 cents of the dollar to US dollars. So I was really tired, exhausted, single mom, sick, and but I had to get a roof over my head. So I had my assets, get my roof over my head, get things stable financially. And then it was like, okay, now I can breathe. So now I can dream. I started to research holistic modalities, including homeopathic medicine. I went back to school. I studied homeopathic medicine. I did traditional Chinese medicine. I, I looked, if someone was treating MS in a way that was natural because I refused to go on the drugs, and that's a personal, I'm not going to advocate either way. It's, it's you do you. I chose not to because the clinical studies weren't actually illustrating at the time that there was any amelioration. I thought, one, why would I do that? Number two, in Canada, the drugs were not fully covered, so they were $2,000 a month. And I'm a single mom, and... 80% of my salary is commission. So I can, I, number it's one, huge the, risk. Yeah, exactly. It's risk For some, upon risk. Exactly. So a little vial of homeopathic medicine is 20 bucks, right? So yeah. I did that. And then I, I, then I did the third thing, which was the hardest thing. And I looked in the mirror and I took a hundred percent responsibility because I gave myself MS. I got myself into that situation. I, you know, love, love, love with all my heart. My ex-husband, I don't have a, a cell in my body that blames for anything, but I took myself to that situation. And so there's, um, it, and, and whatever one believes, Mark 11, 22 to 26 says, whatever you ask for and pray and believe in you and have faith in you will have, if you say this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea, it will be removed and cast into the sea as long as you forgive. And I did, I forgave, I forgave everyone, I forgave myself, and that was the beginning of the healing. And since then, I've done a lot of alternative therapies. I'm a big believer in ozone therapy, EBU, where you suck all the blood out of your body, you ozonate it, you put it back in. I probably take like 30, 40 supplements a day. Twice a year, I go on a fasting retreat. I start my day with prayer and meditation, end my day with prayer and meditation, and I still have wall-kicking moments. I don't always manage stress that well, but my friend Eric Corum is coming out with an amazing new piece of technology that is going to help me. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, what what is your diagnosis today? Are you just living with MS and you're still, you're highly functioning? It's a crazy story, and and I want to keep this tight, but I end up... 2016, I'm, I'm managing, going along, and I go to Africa. I've been to Africa many times, came back. I was very sick. Three doctors misdiagnosed me. One told me it was just PMS. I started laughing my head off. My favorite was one doctor is like, you need personal development. I'm like, do you realize I do speaking events with Tony Robbins? Like, I, I, I don't think that's the case. My first book was endorsed by Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen. No. 
So anyway, end up getting diagnosed by a tropical disease doctor out of New York. I had an amoeba. It was shutting down my organs. During that time, his partner, who is a DO, I get diagnosed with Lyme disease. There are nine different genetic strains of Lyme. I have four of the nine. I spent two years on that protocol doing a whole host of other things. And so fast forward time, they think that the MS was actually Lyme. And so two years of killing my immune system. And during that time in prayer, it was like this small voice would say, in order to live, you've got to die. And so two years of like antibiotics, all this stuff and coming out the other side and then rebuilding it. So, and that's what I, that's what I co-founded Radius on the other side of that 2018, just after two years of like every kind of nasty drug you can imagine. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So this has been like, when did rock bottom hit? How many times? Is that what you well, the, the, uh, the, the, homeless, the homeless on your friend's couch moment. Yeah. 2000, that was, the business was shut down Good Friday 2000. So every Good Friday is the anniversary of that day. What a good day in a sense, you know what I'm saying? Like, but beyond like the celebration of the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. But that's pretty amazing. One thing about you is you're really mentally tough. And I, I try to use that word that phrase lightly because you can't be tough to everything. That's mm-hmm. a fallacy. Like, uh, like for instance, people are like, oh, I just want to be like David Goggins style. I'm going to be tough to everything. It's impossible. Like if you're a chef, right? Like you're like, say you're a Michelin starred chef and I throw you on the trading floor of, of wall street. Are you going to experience a stress response? A hundred percent. Why? Because you don't have the skill set. So if I take you out of your domain if you've never jumped out of an airplane and I put you at the edge of an airplane and said, jump, you're going to freak out, right? Because mm-hmm. you're dealing with an imminent death. But you can build a resilience over time with stress inoculation. But you seem like a person that really is just like at least winning the war between your ears. How do you do that? Like when this <laughs> negative thought, everybody has it, this pattern of thought comes into your brain. What are you actively doing to take that on and to win that battle? Oh, great question. And and David Goggins, I've read his book twice. And he's known for this mental toughness. And yet there's that point where he can't even get out of bed. And he reverts back mentally to that overweight guy he was who was bullied and beaten. And that's when he says, I've got to make a change and I've got to start my day. I'm doing three hours of stretching now. And, and every time I stretch, I think of David Goggins. <laughs> so... <laughs> Winning the war, it goes back to the advice Nigel gave me. So every day, almost, I have wall-kicking moments, WKMs. And when I used to have them, I'd be in it for days. I'd be, like, angry. I'd be, you know, whatever, disappointed. The root of all anger is disappointment. And then I, I challenge myself with that athletic mindset, like, oh, okay, how can I shorten this to I'm just going to be, like, having the wall kicking moment for a day, or can I shorten it to an hour? Can I shorten it to five minutes? And then who do I need to be to say, okay, this happened. I'm over it. I'm moving on. Even this morning I was having a wall kicking moment. And as an entrepreneur, as a CEO of a tech company, oh my gosh, it's like you're on a high. And then the next minute a VC is like, we're not interested. And then another VC is like, you know this, you're living this. It's like, oh yeah, you know, we write checks in two to three weeks, minimum 10 million, right up to 60. Like it's like all over the place. So for me, it comes down to the following. I look at it like this. We have to have this fluidity 
water has no resistance. So can we be like the water? And what does that take? For me, it's a deep breath. It's, uh, I thank God for God. I'll take a deep breath. I'll go into prayer. I go into gratitude. I find something. And even every single day, I send my kids and my husband a gratitude message. It's different every day. I love at that, n- by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. And at night, when we pray, what are we grateful for? And the first thing I do when I sit at my desk in the morning is write out items of gratitude. And it's all through the day. So when I'm having those times, I've got to pivot. Because when we think about that war between our ears, I'll go back to Nigel. What are the assets we have? No one can take away our ability to feel grateful. No one can take away our ability to feel faith. We can only give those things away and we can trade down for less value, but we're never going to live into our own value if we're always trading down. That is so money. Nobody can take that away. I mean, I I need to tell my kids this and tell myself this more often. Something I've been leaning into is, is, is not just doing the gratitude, but feeling the emotion Mm-hmm. of the moment. So like uh, this past weekend, I actually in the aim seven app, we have a gratitude journal, big three, and it's something that I need to get better at. And so I just sat there. I was like, okay, I'm thinking through the day of the things that I'm grateful for. And one of them was like a moment with my son. And I really just tried to like immerse myself in that feeling of being grateful. And I think that's a really important part. It's not just to list things off. Like, oh, I'm grateful for my house and I'm thankful that I have a, you know, food on the table, but it's like actually like I'm actually really grateful for my wife and feel that moment. I'm grateful for the sun on my skin. And I, I think this is wonderful. This is something that we can all be instead of listening to ourselves, we can be talking to ourselves. And, that, and just to throw this in, because you are truly one of the, the smartest people I know. So there's a difference between listing gratitude and, to your point, feeling gratitude. So the, whether it's the alpha waves or the gamma waves, but it's the what it triggers in our brain and, and our gut for serotonin, that true gratitude. And can you be grateful when it feels like your world is falling apart? And even all of the studies on cancer, the number one predictor of a positive outcome is mental attitude and scientists can't figure it out. And there are people who are going through challenges that are worse than anything I've ever gone through and they they can find that gratitude. And it's so profound. Gratitude is what I fully believe helped heal me because it, it ultimately my body turned it on because I wasn't grateful. I wasn't the person I am today and your body can turn things off. It's one of those mysteries we don't understand. I don't know if we ever will, but everything's so interconnected. You know, like you talked about the immune system. Now we have this gut brain axis thing that we're all talking about, you know, how our gut is connected to our brain, literally innervation of the brain. And then there's these neuromodulators like serotonin, how all this works together. I don't know. Nobody's ever going to crack the code. We didn't design it. We don't have the intellect for it, but having a positive attitude, really noticing the moments when we're ruminating and going down that rabbit hole and shifting our mindset does impact our health and wellness. Susan, you, you're doing so many amazing things. You have a wonderful podcast, Raw and Real Entrepreneurship, where you're getting into, and I love it, it's Raw and Real, like what is the actual grind that people are going through? If people have been inspired by what they've heard today and they want to follow you, they want to know more about you, where can they find you? 
Great question. So all of my social links are on susanslide.com. I'm on Instagram at susanslide. There are fake accounts, but mine is the real Susan Sly. It's actually my name, Susan Sly. We'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, and on Twitter, I'm. I will tweet back at you if you tweet at me. And and I just want to say, Eric, and and you know this from being on my show. I think what my belief in terms of what AIM-7 is going to do is extremely significant. And the, the vision is just the beginning because I actually think the impact is going to be infinitely larger than the current vision. And um, so I want to commend you and your team because I am cheering you on, brother. It is, I am so excited. I am just so excited for you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you were inspired by Susan's story, give her a follow on social media and check out her podcast, Raw and Real Entrepreneurship. Thanks again for listening. And I'll catch you on the next episode.